Guts and Grit Podcast. A podcast where we discuss overcoming the odds, resiliency, and never giving up. Join us each week as host John Melson, Joy Vatrebeck, and Mark Renahan discuss coming back from failure and never quitting. Guts and Grit, it's go time. Welcome to the Guts and Grit podcast. We are on episode six. I cannot believe it. Thank you all who watched last week with LA Detective Nako Nolan. We have an incredible special show today. Of course, I am with my fellow guests, Joy. How are you, madam? I am good. How are you? I am good. And we are going to have our friend John introduce today's guest. You all know my co-host, Sergeant Melson. So, Johnny, why don't you tell us who we have today with us? All right, Mark, this, this is a really fortunate opportunity we got um, I served with, with Rashid in, in Afghanistan in 2008, 2009. He was our interpreter for our embedded team working with Marsak and, and the Afghan army. And uh, when, I, when my tour was over, we stayed in touch uh, off and on, on social media. I thought I'd never had a chance to see, see this young man again. And uh, the work he did for us and the risks he took working for the U.S. Army, I, I, I don't think our country could thank you enough. Rashid, especially me, I can't thank you enough. Um, it, it, as much as uh, the work was hard for us, uh, you contributed to making things successful. And man, brother, I, I, I thank you, man. I love you for what you did. All right, so before we get into Rashid and his story, at the end we have a, a great surprise and a little congratulations for Rashid, but we'll get to that. But without further ado, Rashid, could you start off at your life? You were born in Kabul in Afghanistan, and I know our listeners want to hear all about that, so I'm going to let you take it. All right, thank you, sir. Thank you, Mark, Joy, and John. Thank you for inviting me on uh, this show. And I love you too, John. It was a great time working with you. Hope we work together again. So yes, um, I was born in Afghanistan in Kabul in the 90s, right after the uh, Russian and Soviet Union invasion. Uh, so I remember everything since I was six years old. And uh, beginning of that, there was a lot of internal wars. Uh, the government was warning, uh, fighting with the Mujahideen and they took over. Um, in 1996, uh, the Taliban took over. So I grew up in like where all the bullets were flowing around. Uh, my house was the first house in the, with the town got hit by rocket. So we had to move out of there. I uh, had my, uh, my dad got injured very badly. So we moved out of there. Once the Taliban took over, uh, we moved as a family to Peshawar, uh, Pakistan, because we had nowhere else to go. Uh, we spent uh, six years in Peshawar, uh, Pakistan, um, in a very bad living condition. As soon as the uh, United States uh, Invaded uh, Afghanistan, took the uh, Taliban government out. We came back. Uh, we came back and I started school again. Um, so uh, 2008, I was in 12th grade. Um, but my family was poor. I had to work to feed my family, you know, take care of my family. So I, uh, my mom was not letting me do work since I was 17 years old. But uh, I sent in my resume to the company uh, called MEP, which was uh, American company that, uh, that were hired into personal legal advisors. They called me when I uh, took the test, everything passed. Um, then I told my mom, I was like, mom, I passed. Uh, I'm not into her now. I got to go. So she was uh, crying. The entire family was not ready to let me go because I was a little kid. I was 17 years old. And here you go. I went to Herat as an interpreter, 17 years old. I left school in 12th grade. 
I couldn't finish it. And I came uh, next year later, uh, when I was working with John that year, when I came back home, I finished with my school. So I went to Herat and Herat there, I went to talk to the, uh, I went to Bob, uh, what's it called, Camp Stone. And they told me you're going to Herat, Herat, which I don't even know where Herat was. So after two weeks in Herat, I went to Herat. As soon as I landed in Herat airport, I had seven Afghan army uh, bodies and three US that uh, got killed in action. Mm. Uh, so I was like, wow, you're in a great spot. And then, uh, I started a show over there. Uh, the very uh, after like five months, uh, the new embedded training team took over, replaced which I met John there, a killer. I call him a killer with a tan helmet. <laughs> <laughs> so, great dude, Staff Sergeant uh, John Nelson. I met him. A bunch of other folks were great. We spent a lot of great times. We had a lot of great uh, shows in for us, especially John, when we had him a gunner. Um, especially when the Humvee rolled over, the Humvee was 180 degrees and John was still shooting from the gunning, um, which was great. And I came out, tried, tried to help take the Humvee out. And there was bullets everywhere, motors, small arms and heavy guns everywhere. So we got out of there. I'm not going to go with the casualties, uh, but we had fun. When, when I was in Pra, especially with John, I was his interpreter. He was, beside I was working for him, he was in charge of our pay too, taking care of make sure we get paid on time. Did a great job and um, spent nine months with them. Then they got replaced with the 82nd, had fun with 82nd and multiple units, fourth ID twice. And then I got transferred back home to Kabul to work with uh, some senior rankings. Uh, after uh, four and a half years in combat zone in Farah, I moved to my back hometown, Kabul. I start college, uh, work uh, with the uh, NATO no. diplomat team as a translator for the uh, first two years, translating documents and going to meetings. And then I became interpreter for um, the uh, MOI uh, senior advisors. Spent another two and a half years with them. And I got my visa. So as soon as I got my visa, my team offered me, was like, you want to stay? I was like, if you put in letters, in, in letters that you're going to protect my life. Because when I was in Afghanistan, when I was in Farah, when I came home for vacation, midnight, I had three dudes came to my house. Mm -hmm. And my dad opened the door at midnight. He's like, yeah, we want to talk to the interpreter. Just got back home from uh from uh Iraq. my dad said you're in the wrong address there's no interpreter here so he moved mom uh, when i woke up my dad woke me i was like this is what's going on i was like you should have wake us up he had three brothers three against three was perfect <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when i lived back i went to i went to Prague again then um my dad moved from that spot when i got home transferred to kabul so i was coming from college and this toyota white car was following me i didn't know next night same o'clock Nine at night, this car is like walking in front of me, then stop walking in front. There's three people in front, inside of it. And then I realized this car is trying to find my house where I left. So I pick up the rock from the side of the road and throw out the back of this car and hit him. And they, they didn't stop, they just took off. And the next day, I told the advisors, like, hey, this is what's going on. They're trying to follow me, they're trying to find my house and everything. So after that, I had to carry a nine mil in my waist, but I never testified that they never showed up so I could testify my nine mil. Um, but then, uh, in August, 2016, uh, I, uh, I, uh, got my visa. As soon as I got my visa, I booked my own ticket up to the United States. I moved to Texas. Um, 10, 10 months later, uh, I joined the army as an enlisted, uh, went to basic training, AIT, then it's got stationed, uh, Fort Carson, Colorado. Uh, my, my goal was to become an officer, but I couldn't do it at the beginning because I was not a citizen. I was just a permanent resident. 
So I got my uh, my visa and uh, my uh, correction, my uh, citizenship and clearance in 2019, and I dropped my packet to for uh, OCS, which is Office of Candidate School. And I got approved uh, recently, June 3rd, I commissioned. And the most important thing is a week before graduation, I'm at the gym trying to be like John, and somebody's up and looking at me. I look at him and it's John. I ran into John after 14 years, but nobody would have thought that. Wow. He, he ran back down and I was so happy to run back up and I completely lost where the stairs are at. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I don't know where I'm at right now. And then I stopped, I saw John came back and hugged me. It, it was a great moment to see John back. You know, back then it was a staff sergeant now, and now he's the senior ranking. I love him. He's a, he's, I mean, he served a lot of stuff. It's a honor for me to work with you, brother. Well, awesome. Rashid, I have a million questions, and that was an incredible <laughs> bio, but I want to start off with the number one question. When did you learn English, That's and who taught was, you? Thank you. That's what I was going to ask, too. Okay, so since I was a child, I never thought that I'm going to make it to the United States. I would never thought that I'll be an interpreter one day. Um, so it was 2003 I took and started taking English classes. Hmm. And there was an English training center which was taught by the Afghans, not like perfect English courses, but just showing you the path uh, the path to walk, but you have to find your way from there. It was up to you. So they were just showing you like basic English. So I started in 2003 uh, and I finished it. There was 12 books. Each books were three months and I finished it in 2005, uh, which I wasn't speaking perfect English at that time. It was just like a basic training, uh, uh, like a basic English course. Once I became interpreter in 2018, first month, well, I, well, like the US forces were talking to me. I was just looking, I'm like, ah. I mean, can you slow down? Because uh, especially they were using too much slangs. And I didn't even know any military terminology. So it was very rough for me until I took some uh, chapters. They give it to me and I started you know, reading and reading and reading. And I, uh, we have a saying in, in Afghans that uh, the night we took my donk out of the mud. So that means I don't uh, you know. <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, I learned took class from 2003 to 2005. That's, okay. All right. So I, I want to, um, you know, I want to get into the to what you were discussing. Uh, when you first became an interpreter, you're working with John. That puts you and your family in severe danger. Um, you know, again, John's fighting the Taliban. You're aiding, you know, technically them. So was that a, a very stressful time in your life that, you know, was that always in the back of your head that this work I'm doing? I mean, again, like you said, you, you needed to work and and you know you're working with them was it was it was it very stressful to, to deal with that thought yes working with americans working with john everybody in my town knew what i'm doing and where i'm at you know because you know their intels are very accurate too so uh, it was very tough that's why they came to my house trying to find my house and everything so but when i left when taliban took over recently august last year my house was raided day two mm. Uh, they went to my house, searched my house, took all my brothers, my family's phone, scanned, left it, they deleted everything. And they were not confident. They were like, oh, we're going to come back. As soon as they left, my cousin went and took all my stuff out of the house, moved to his house, and hide my mom. And then my mom and my sister, my niece, was evacuated to Mazarshi so they could get out of there to the U.S. Uh, they were they were compromised again. They were taken off. and They kept them for nine, uh, nine hours, questioning them and everything until we saved them. Uh, but yeah, and also my sister' house was raided too. My, they were looking for my brothers, all because of me serving the United States government while I was there. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, we, we have, 
First, thank you, by the way, yeah. from uh, myself and, and every, uh, but especially I'm sure John and his men, mm -hmm. um, thank you for, for helping the, the U.S. Uh, troops, you know, get through your country. I mean, it's, it's a country of incredible history. I know that. I know, unfortunately, there's been a lot of war there. Uh, and and um, I want to thank you for, for stepping up. Um, I, 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 wanna, I have some more questions about growing up in Kabul. As I was talking with you earlier, um, when you were a kid, did, did you have, was it always kind of like the fear of, of a Taliban or things like that? Or did you have any fun, normal childhood stuff? I know I've read the book, The Kite Runner, and you were telling me that the, the kite game where you fly them and you try to cut the kites off. And whenever I'm on the beach in the summertime, I always think I should get a kite up there and cut these people off. But was childhood, um, you know, did you have normal times? Did you have a bunch of friends? Did you guys play the kite games or was it, you know, what was it like? It, it was it was actually fun. So when um, I'm talking about 2002 all the way to 2007 or eight, which the security was a little bit better in my town. So I had fun to play soccer, play cricket. I had fun playing uh, kite and it was it, we were playing on Friday all day. Everybody on the roofs playing kites, and we were cutting a lot of people's uh, cables, <laughs> everything. It was fun. It was, it was a great moment in my life that I had fun in my life so far. Uh, a lot of people on the roofs, on the street, people were pre-ordering their materials for that game. And then once I grew up a little bit, like around 2012, when I got transferred, I stopped playing cricket with my friends. I stopped that because, you know, the coach of our uh, playing kites were uh, pretty much gone. But, like, uh, I was playing cricket and everything uh, later on. But like between 2002 and 2007 or 8, I was scared. I was like, like uh, 12 to 16 years old. I had a lot of fun playing kite and cutting people's kite on anything. My fingers were all cut because I was playing all day. Great moments. For, for those who don't know, they have a game in Afghanistan where you fly kites and you try to cut your opponent's string to be victorious. There's a great book called The Kite Runner, which talk, talks about that. So that's why I was getting to that. My next question well, for you. Let me, let go ahead. I'm sorry. Go quickly. ahead. Um, you said you got your family out, though. They are safe now. Rashad? Uh, yeah, the good news is uh, my mom's sister niece got out October 2nd. Okay. Uh, they were evacuated to Abu Dhabi, Dubai. And my other two brothers and two sisters with all their kids, uh, we're hidden all the time. They got out October 22nd. So my mom, sister, niece, plus my second brother's family just made it to the United States last week. Um, and the rest are inbound. They're waiting for a flight to get to the United States. So excellent. Is that a relief to you? Uh, to be honest, when Afghanistan, when the incident happened last August in Afghanistan, I was during aerosol school. John knows how yeah. tough that is physically, but I was like not there mentally anything was very tough but i still pushed it hard my commander called me was like hey we're trying to uh, uh call the schoolhouse to send you back home like sir i love to go forward i do not look back mm. anything not so i luckily i graduated school but for like three months like i was not mentally well mm. and I imagine, yeah. my family was still in afghanistan mm. and we, we didn't know when they're going to catch him again what they're gonna do? My mom's sister and he had AK-47 pointed at their head for eight and a half hours. Jeez. Uh, oh, wow. Let me ask Sorry, you an another question. No, no. Where is the? <clears throat> what was the first U.S. city you arrived in, and what was your initial reaction to being in the United States? Uh, I landed in Dallas, Texas. That's where I was going, uh, Dallas area. As soon as I got out of the airport, 
I'm like, am I in a sauna? (laughs) (laughs) And I am not used to the humidity. And then my friend can't pick me. I'm like, dude, what's going on in here? I was like, yeah, that's how Texas is. But I got used to it. So it was Texas. I stayed in Texas for eight and a half months. Not for actually 10 months before I got shipped to basic training. So you came to the U.S., you were previously a translator, and then you joined the Army to, to serve the United States of America. Is that, do I got that correct so far? Yes. Uh, so when I moved to the United States, I was only a, a green card holder, permanent resident card. Uh, like the very first month, I went to a recruiter. I'm like, hey, I want, I want to be in the Army. I don't like civilian jobs. Um, he's like, okay, do you have your uh, college degrees and everything? He's like, yes, it's inbound. It will be shipped to me very soon by my dad. And he's like, well, until you get that, because you're going to join as a E4. I'm like, okay, as soon as I got that, I was in process. Still, I was in process to get in the military. Uh, I work for Amazon shipment. Um, so as soon as I signed my contract at MEPS with the Army, I went straight to my job. I'm like, I'm resigning today. He was like, well, if you resign today, you will never work for me our company anymore. Yeah, a week and a half notice. I'm like, do you think I'm going to work for this company anymore? 20 years guaranteed in the army, maybe more, but I'm good. I just, I'm done. I'm going to army in five days. You know, it's what, what, what I, what I'm taking from this, by the way. So Rashid, you haven't done a show with us and I've known John most of my life. I've never seen John this quiet for this long. And the reason is behind it is I think John is just very pumped at the fact that one of the things Joy and I, we we discussed with our Afghanistan series and, and with personal friends is that the Afghan translators seem to hold a very, very deep heart in the hearts of the service members, especially the combat guys who went out there with them. So John has been... Very uncharacteristically quiet, and I think it's because he is just overwhelmed with the fact that, A, you're here, A, you're safe. We have a little news to announce to everyone at the end of this show. But, I mean, you came here, you joined the Army uh, right away, which to me is even more impressive. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, it's almost as if you use some guts and grit, John, to get through, through, uh, you know, growing up in Afghanistan, coming to join the Army. But, Johnny... Maybe you could tell all of us, and, and I know, John, you're one of the most humble men uh, I've ever met, but uh, earlier Rashid mentioned um, the incidents in the Humvee. Uh, maybe you could just talk about the relationship that you Rangers or, or you guys had at the time with your translators and maybe tell us briefly about that story. Sure, sure, but I'll make it a symbol to him. It's a private joke between him and I. He knows how I used to react to the young boys when they would take things from the little girls. i tell them what I would... <laughs> I would cut them, <laughs> beating up the little girls, right? <laughs> so it's a little joke with him and I. Um, but, I mean, man, <laughs> it's kind of emotional. Like, no. I got a chance to talk to him and, you know, know that not only was he my brother on the battlefield, but now he serves beside me as well, right? And the risk, admiring and having that level of admiration and, and respect for, I mean, even he was a young, he was a young punk kid. Like back here on the stage, you'd be like, oh, you're an 18 year old little punk kid. You don't know nothing about life. We had so much on his shoulders for us to be able to be successful with the Afghan army and understand what was going on with, with the language and the culture so we could be successful. And and we knowing, we knew at the time, like, hey, his family back home, that is a big risk. He's putting them in uh, for coming to work with us. And, um, I'm glad everything has really been panned out 
in a positive way. To me, it's positive, Rashid. Um, it, well, I, I'm, I'm going to call him Arm. That's how I know him by <laughs> Arm. Okay. So Arm, like, it, I, I'm so happy you got the family out. Um, your mom's in route. I know you, you're excited about that, right? And to think, Mark, the, the level of weight and burden on your shoulders as, as a young 18-year-old man, not a boy, as an 18-year-old man, right, with no military training, nothing, and he comes in and he's willing to put on the same uniform as us, and they'll, they're more willing to shoot and kill him than they were. They'd, they would rather use bullets on him before they used the bullets on me, right, because they the negative way uh, the, the Taliban view his work and what he represents, right? And to have that that level of guts to do that, and then he grinded it out. You know, he had the grit to go ahead and keep grinding and not quit. Um, he is where he is today. When I see him, I have to salute him, right? <laughs> so, I mean, no, no shame in that at all, man. I, I couldn't be more prouder of you, Arm. You, have, you are a, a living success story. Um, and an inspiration to many, hopefully many in our own country to appreciate that, you know, they, they can go to work every day and not worry that while they're gone at work, that someone's going to come and kill their family because of the, the job they're doing. Um, so a lot of those things, people don't ever have to experience that. And you did. And you're stronger for that. And man, the, the day I'll get into the, the, the ambush, the day we had got we got into that b- bad ambush, uh, he was riding my truck. Uh, Sergeant Boone was driving, uh, the grumpiest man I ever met in my life. I love you, bro. I know you're out there. Mass Sergeant Sammons, he was the grumpiest guy I ever know. He, I would go in his room and find him sleeping on top of thumbtacks. <laughs> and and Sammons would say that he sleeps on thumbtacks to keep to help contribute to his grumpiness. So he was always angry. He was angrier than I could ever be. Um, and... And he would, he was in the, you know, the, the vehicle commander seat. And I would always, I would try to gun as most as I can. Um, it's a little bit taller and, and, and up in the gun turret than when Boone was up in there, Sergeant Boone. Uh, but Boone was driving that day and, and Arm was down sitting behind me. He, when I needed ammo, he was feeding me cans of ammo up there to stay in the fight. And uh, the Afghan National Police had gone into uh, this village, just not far from where, where our base was. And... Uh, they were getting shellacked. They had several casualties dead in the road. Um, the They had embedded American mentors with them. Uh, they were getting overwhelmed. Uh, and so we were with the Afghan army. We were the mentor team with the Afghan army. Arm was our interpreter. And they were calling for help. We pushed up to go ahead and help them. Uh, I'm not going to say escape because we're not running away from the Taliban. We never run away from them. Right. But we were we were repositioning to go ahead and, and attack them. So we were we were performing uh, support so the, the the Afghan national police teams could uh, exfiltrate and reposition themselves. So we were providing cover for them as we moved up. Uh, the Taliban shifted their focus onto us. Uh, we were in the lead Humvee. And uh, as we tried to establish positions, uh, fire became very overwhelming. Mortars and, and RPG. There were so many RPGs coming in. And I can't imagine it. So arms in the back seat. He, he's not driving. He's not on the gun. He's like all out of control. We got control of everything. And he's just there for the ride. I can't even imagine that sense of like, I'm so out of control. Like, this is horrible. And I'm going to die with these Americans. I really don't even know very much. Like, 
wow, I'm not going to get, I'm thinking, you know, like, man, he's not going to get home to see his family ever again. And so we start to take too much fire. We start to try and drive backwards. And Sarmboon was too far to the one side of the the dirt road, which was an elevated road. And there was irrigation canal on the side and the the truck started to slide. And then it went over and rolled onto its side. And uh, it was bad. It It was, it was bad. And I know arm, arm was like, ah, you know, every, it was, it was hectic. And uh, I jumped out of the turret uh, once, once the vehicle stopped shaking and then uh, Steph's arm Boone crawled out, uh, arm crawled out. We're all, we were like huddled up behind the vehicle. And I'm like, where's Sammons? And he's stuck in the truck. And I'm like, oh man. And we're, we're getting so much fire and I'm like, he's, he's going to, this, this truck's going to get hit with a rocket. Uh, we got to get him out of there. Um, we start waving up the other Humvee comes up. We hook up a tow strap. I climbed back in and, uh, Sammons grumpy as, as he always is, you know, telling me to get out, save myself. You know, he's like, you have kids. I'm like, I'm not leaving you here. And there's a little bit more vulgar language that took place. <laughs> <laughs> I had things to do. Needed to, I, I don't have time to waste on nice things to say. I, I slid down in the driver's seat shifted the truck in the four wheel drive and started trying to cut the wheels. The wheels were stuck in like with suction in the mud. And uh, the other Humvee started to pull us with the toe strap. We got it back up and running. Um, meanwhile, Matt Sergeant Sammons is sending messages on the blue force tracker. Tell my wife, I love them. And he didn't think we were going to make it out. Truck comes down on all four wheels. I jump back up on the gun, brush off the mud and we're right back in the fight. And like we get back um, a couple of days later and the bond, that guy, that guy right there on the show with us, he was out there risking his life with me. And that's what that bond I was telling you before the show, like that bond will never be broken. Uh, he went through one of the worst times in my life. Um, you know, guys trying like, Oh yeah, what you did, what you did. I, man, I was just doing what I was trained and I was scared. I, I, I'm not going to bullshit nobody. Like anyone thinks like you're this big, brave in being or anything. No, I was doing what I was doing because I didn't want Sammons to die. I didn't want uh, the the work that Arm was doing for us to be wasted. The risk that he was taking, I was thinking about everybody around me. Like we talked with Sean last last episode when he he actually helped save people out of the twin towers when they were escaping. You you start you stop thinking about yourself and you start thinking about everyone else around you. When once you accept, like, okay, this is a bad situation. This is bad on me. I'm probably going to die. But I'm going to try and keep everyone else alive around me. And um, we made it. We made it out. Everybody did well. And, uh, you know, I still think Sam's is the grumpiest man alive. Right. I, I want to get Sam on the show know, now, John, but go ahead. I, he's, he's a great guy, man. He's retired, um, successful life, like, like arm, everyone else I got a chance to work with They're successful because they're good people. Right. And they, the things that they've had to overcome to be where they're at, maybe you just can't take it for granted. Not everybody can, can endure and show that level of guts and grit like like this young man has. And I'm looking forward to the chance to salute him. So I'm not saying it in, a, in like a crappy, shitty way. I'm actually looking forward to salute this guy. He's earned every bit of respect he's got coming to him. And uh, man, I, I hope his family is as proud of him as I am, which I'm sure they are. Well, and that, was, John, that was an amazing come- moment to be able to share with him. And man, we had a lot of laughs too. We had a lot of laughs. Don't, don't let... You know, the, the 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 hecticness or the craziness of that story thing, like, oh God, what was it like the it was like near death every day. No, we had a lot of laughs. We had a lot of laughs over there. 
Well, just, good food, too. Just because John has given it away now, a little bit of the surprise. <laughs> so we will announce that Rashid has recently been made a lieutenant in the United States Army. He has graduated and uh, been commissioned as, in a, as an officer in the United States Army, which is why John would be saluting him. So, Rashid, thank you so much. And, and yeah, congratulations very much. And you want to talk about taking the full... Uh, you know, route uh, and, and, a, and a real American, by the way. And don't let anyone ever tell you any, anything else, Rashid. You are as American as I am. So thank you so much for what you've done. You're welcome, sir. Yes, You're welcome. I, I second that. And thank you for supporting our troops in Afghanistan as well as now defending our country. Now, would you two ever serve together now, Johnny? Or are you in, obviously in different, you know, units, battalions or anything like that? There is that possibility, right? But I'm in, because we're in two different elements, um, we may end up serving in the same place, but as far as same unit, more than likely not, because what his job description is or what my job description is, right? Mm. So we're in two different career fields. However, we both support each other. Absolutely. Right? In, the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. I can't do my job without his, with his efforts, and he can't, he can't do his job without my efforts, right? So it's, it's in that team mentality. But I would like to just ask question arm, right? Uh, because a lot of people don't understand, right? Because they, one, a lot of people would never ha have the opportunity uh, to walk in your shoes, right? So what I want to ask you, and I, I'm sure it's, it might even be a question for Mark and he just hasn't got to it yet, but what was it that made you want to be an American and, and then even more, you had a civilian job, but what what made you want to be an American and what made you want to put this uniform back on after you've already worked with us and know the risk? Well, thank you, John. This is a great question. Uh, so remember, I served as an interpreter for eight and a half years. First, why I became an interpreter to help my family, right? So my family economy situation was low. Who helped me take care of my family in the United States? Who helped me get my bachelor's degree at the United States, who took care of for everything from the United States, and then they give me a visa to the United States, which means I owe this country. That's why I joined the military. I could have, I could, I could get out right now and make three times as much as I make in the house right now. But guess what? I owe this country, this nation, that helped me take care of me, take care of my entire family. I went as enlisted. As soon as I was eligible to go officer, I joined, uh, uh, I mean, joined the OCS, became a commission officer now. And I don't know when I'm going to get out because I love my job. I love serving this country and I love to have my uniform on. I really miss my uniform when I came to the United States. For a couple of months, I will put in some nice cities, you know, uh, going to Amazon work. But as soon as, uh, as soon as I went to basic training, I put the uniform on. First thing I did before they took my phone, I took a selfie and sent it to my mom. <laughs> Your son is in the army right now. Your son looks like a pure soldier right now. Um, basic training was not rough for me because I've been through rough situations than um, that in Afghanistan. Oh, before I forget something, let me talk about John. Okay. Yes. We, we, I would love to hear this. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Because he said he loves to cut, right? Yeah. We are in a an A and A battalion headquarters, and we have a bunch of kids from the. Uh, Locals are coming inside, and we're by our Humvees, and these kids doesn't let us, and they come asking for everything. They're asking for pen, and we always help them. John was bringing a bag of everything all the time, snacks to give them. 
But at this time, I, we were out of snacks and everything. So John is like, Arm, come here. I was like, tell these kids with a serious face that I didn't know he was joking. John made a serious face. He's like, tell these kids that I have a guy in my team right now with a brown knee pads. That he, I, if you guys don't leave this area, I'm going to call him to come here and cut your peepees off. <laughs> now, I, I'm looking at John. And I'm so serious, too. I translated the whole thing. <laughs> I look down and I see I am the one with the brown knee pads. <laughs> I look at him, he just laughed, and he was laughing. He went inside the Humvees. I'm like, oh, I thought you were so serious. You just trying to get me. That was I. I can't. I can't forget that moment. As soon as I saw John inside the gym at Fort Benning. I was like, you remember that day? <laughs> I mean, that just goes to show what we were talking about, that, 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 the, the connection between the translators and the guys, you know, you, you're having jokes like that. That's amazing. I mean, I'm shocked, by the way, Rashid, that you found him in the gym yeah. when you eventually ran back into him. I know how little little time he spends in the gym. <laughs> so I, I'd say, but I mean, like you said, it must have been crazy because when you left each other, I'm sure you both thought we'll never see each other again. I mean, you know, back then uh -huh. you, you had no idea. Uh, I got something to add to that. Uh-oh. Go ahead. Arm, who contacted you in 2011? You. That's right, I did. What was I trying to do? So he came back to Afghanistan after. I was like, hey, you want to work for me? I'm here in this place. He sent me some cool pictures from the mountains where his post was. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to come there. But when I talked to my team, my team's like, no, you're my interpreter. You cannot. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to give up a good interpreter. And I even no. tried to contact, I contacted my company, my site manager. I'm like, hey, can I get transferred to this location? He's like, uh, no, you're good where you at. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, how long have you been in the Army for now? Uh, I joined the Army in May 2017. 2017, so okay. I made it to the United States September 2016, and I joined the Army May 2017. Um, I recently, like last May, I made five years in the Army, and I have a lot of way to go. Oh, how, how old? I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. How old were you when you um, left John? You didn't see him for the last, well, till now. So, first of all, when I became interpreter, I was 17, and I was still 17 when I met John, okay. and then a few months I turned 18. And I was 18 when I left, uh, when John left, I was still 18 years old. And now I'm 31 that I met John again, randomly ran into wow. And you know where you to find him? <laughs> At the gyms. John, look for inside the gyms. That's where you find him. Yeah, they usually keep him behind glass and they wait for something <laughs> to happen. And then they smash the glass and they send him on his way. I'm kidding, Johnny. Uh, guys, this is an, an amazing, an amazing story. And I'm so glad that uh, A, you guys got to get back together. And B, Rashid, again, I, I can't say enough of, of somebody who put like a, I mean, John and I always talk offline about how like today a lot of people uh, complain a lot about things. And, you know, I, I was just saying how like, if you look at your day and we had, a, we had an L.A. detective on, police detective, and he was saying that, he, you know, he, he thinks about the people he worked with on Skid Row they're, you know, any one of his bad days, they'd love to take. So I think a 17-year-old's today complaining, and when you were 17, you, you, you know, you're embedded with a combat unit in Afghanistan. I mean, I don't want to laugh because it's not funny, but it is funny if you think about it. Like at 17 years old, what were you doing? Like, you know, I, I was down on Cape Cod, uh, you know what I mean? Going to the beach and fishing uh, for my summer before I was going to go away to college. You were embedded with, uh, you know, United States Army combat troops. That's that's crazy. And it's it's...
it's beyond impressive, and I it cannot thank you enough. And, and again, as John pointed out earlier, it definitely took a lot of guts and grit, grit at age 17 <laughs> to go do something like that. We like to throw in cheesy line tags, Rashid. But again, th thank you. Thank you so much. I, I know we're coming to the end of the show, but uh, Rashid, I hope to have you on again someday. I'd like to, we're hoping our show goes for a long time. I'd like to check back in to, to see how you were doing. And if you're ever in Florida or you're up in Boston, we'll, we'll show you the time of your life, my friend. And if you're ever in Costa Rica and you want to ride a crocodile, I can hook you up with that also. It's a long story. <laughs> but Johnny, anything else you want to add? Hey, so I'm just wondering if you, if any way you could put up any of those photos I see so you could see the young arm when he was out. Yeah, let's see if, if Noah can do that for us. Uh, I, I have seen the pictures; they're very impressive. Um, and again, the the fact that you you were I mean in that Humvee when it was flipped in the middle of a firefight is nuts. Uh, and and I'm glad you're all okay. I definitely, what was the Sergeant Salmon? Is that his name, John, with the tax? Yeah, Master Sergeant Salmons. Yeah, Master Sergeant Salmons. Yeah, we need to get him on the show. I think that might be entertaining. I mean, yeah. all, all, all the veterans. That's right there. There he is. All right, yeah. So the, here he is right here. We're showing off some of Arm when he's in Afghanistan and now, and now he is a second lieutenant with the United States Army. Can you ima imagine that 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 trip from a kid in, Af kid in Kabul uh, to taking English lessons, to working with, uh, you know, John and, uh, and being in a firefight. I'm sure more than that. And now oh, you're yeah. over here serving in, uh, in the United States. It's an incredible, incredible story, Rashid. And, and again, and thank again, you so much. And again, there's that thread there of giving back. You, yeah. You, you saw the U.S. and um, you served with the U.S. over there in Afghanistan. And then you came here and gave back. So thank you. I mean, there's a lot of people who were born and raised here who, who haven't given yeah. as much to yeah. our nation. So uh, thanks again. It's, it's unbelievable. So, Johnny, do you want to take us out? Rashid, thank you so, so much for joining us from the bottom of my heart. And I think from any real American, thanks so much. And, and actually, you're a real American now, too. So, you know, you're, you're part of the team <laughs> as much as anyone else is. So, Johnny, why don't you, you take us out with our, your favorite tagline, but anything else you want to add? Yeah, I, you know. Arm, you already know what I'm going to say. I say it all the time, right? Get out there, keep grinding, and train to be hard to kill. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on Guts and Grit. Once again, we had Rashid, a.k.a. Arm, who is now a second lieutenant in the United States Army. He was an Afghan translator born and raised in Kabul and is now serving our country. It is unbelievable. Once again, I am Mark. This is Joy. Noah, our engineer, and, of course, our co-host from Fort Benning. And he moves around sometimes. Johnny, follow us on YouTube, Facebook. You can download us on any of the podcast formats. It'll be underneath in the comments. Um, again, thanks so much, brother. It was a pleasure and an honor to yes. meet you. Yeah. And I hope to see you in person someday. Johnny, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you all, everybody. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Guts and grit. Like, subscribe, comment, share.